This week, you'll hear my conversation with Shanae Howard, creator of Fan Wars, The Empire Claps Back. We're talking romantic comedy audio fiction, the art of the meat hate, and a movement towards black joy in media. It's a sparkling interview with a fabulous person, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. I had the privilege and delight to talk to Los Angeles-based writer and creator Shanae Howard, the woman behind last week's feature, Fan Wars, The Empire Claps Back, a sparkling romantic comedy for the Skype age, doled out in bite-sized podcast pieces. Last week, I posed the question of who Star Wars belongs to, and you'll hear me and Shanae talk about that, as well as many other things besides. These conversations are like candy for me. I love hearing about how fan communities coalesce around ideas, establish fan headcanon. Sometimes it can be toxic, and sometimes it can be wonderful. Deciding that a certain character is canonically white, and that remakes can't be cast with a person of color, that's toxic. Passing the mic and listening to people, incorporating more shapes and colors and varieties of person into your fandom, making it accessible and kind? That's wonderful! More of the second, please. Let's take a listen to my conversation with Shanae. Shanae, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Thank you for joining oh me. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about, to start off, tell me about how you got into podcasting. Because before this, you know, you, you've worked as a marketer for a long time yeah. and an entrepreneur. Before this, you did a, a, a video web series. Yeah. How did, you, how did you make the transition from video to podcasting? I live in Los Angeles and I'm out here... Um, you know, trying to do the LA thing, <laughs> trying to write and do all this stuff. And I just got really frustrated with the process of trying to like work within the system to just like create something because you'll work for years on a project and it could like, you know, I had a, a project that got really close a couple times and I was just like, you know, this is just frustrating. I just want to create something and really make it. And my friend Michelle Nicolaisen, uh, she like literally her audio dramas are the only ones I had heard for like as long as she's had them because, you know, she's my friend. And so I would listen to hers. I didn't even realize that it was like <laughs> things that people did. And so I was like listening to hers one time and she like forwarded me a uh, audio drama that was called a kaleidotrope. Um, and I was like listening to kaleidotrope and I was like, oh, they can be funny. And then I like went and I was like, show me more, tell me more. And I was just like listening to all these podcasts. And I was like, this is amazing because they're essentially shows and you get to kind of create these worlds and these projects that allow you to like do something amazing outside of like all the BS of notes and like <laughs> the system of Hollywood and the mechanisms of Hollywood. So I knew nothing about the process, but I started writing one and just started asking questions and putting it together. And here I am talking to you. Listen, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. And, and you, you've, you've fallen in with, with Ashley and Paula in yeah, LA, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paula Deming and Ashley mm -hmm. Quatch. Because uh, when, when, when I talked to them, they talked about how, why they got into podcasting was they only had to get to yes once from one another. Yes. They only needed those like two yeses and they didn't need some shitbird producer 100%. who was like, this is too, this is too much of a woman joke, you know, to like crap on their ideas. Right. What, what I love about Fan Wars is how spiky it is, <laughs> like how Jackie and Steven make all these assumptions about each other and how nasty they can be to each other initially. Um, tell me about the 
enemies to lovers trope. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> um, um, it's so funny because um, me and um, Ashley were, because we're like, we're, we're um, romantic comedy sisters. It's like called basically like, um, we call it meet hate. Um, and it's when. Oh, right. I should, I should flag it and be clear. Ashley is the, the, one of the creators behind Deck the Halls with Matrimony. That was a podcast where I heard hers and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like I can, I can, like I can do this. Um, yeah. So basically I think that when it functions best is when you have two people who are kind of like ideologically, not necessarily ideologically different, but they're just kind of like look at the world in different ways. And those point of views kind of bump up against each other. It's so funny because one of the things that people are always saying about fan wars is that it's cute, which I think is hilarious because they're like so nasty. Hmm. But literally like all the tweets are like, fan wars is so cute. And I think it's because when this trope works the best, it's when they think in different ways, but there's sort of like this underlying respect that comes from like mutual prickle prickliness. I don't know if that's the word. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like they're both, you know what I mean? Like they're both kind of prickly. And when you, and there's something that happens when you're not afraid to tell somebody exactly what you think, um, that creates this level of intimacy uh, that you don't really get from people who are kind of on their best behavior. And that's really why I like this trope so much is because you have two people who have no desire to be on their best behavior. And one of the themes that kind of runs through fan wars is that like, they don't lie to each other, like they, they, because they have no reason to, because they don't like each other. So if you, yeah, so that's kind of how that sort of works and why I think it creates a really special dynamic between two people. Well, I think their prickliness kind of, one neutralizes the other. Yeah. Like they're each trying these tactics to get inside the other person's guard and like really spear them. Like I kind of see it as a sword fight. Yeah. And all that ends up happening is that Jackie and Steven manage to get inside each other's defenses. And now they've got their swords locked together and they're like breathing on each other nose to nose yeah. while they're arguing. Yeah. You know, and that's an inherent place for intimacy yeah and like oh you did it you're yeah, inside my exactly. guard now what oh you smell nice yeah. you know <laughs> yeah i love that that's exactly it it's like when you and that's why i think these types of romances work really well and why i think steven and jackie i mean i wrote it but so i'm biased but i think that's why that dynamic and the actors are obviously amazing um why it works is because yeah it's like at the end of the conversations you can see them sort of like pulling back a little bit because they realize that oh they got in the door like like I was holding up the door and they're like in here now so I think that's exactly right what you said what are you looking for in romantic comedies that you weren't seeing reflected in the podcast space or in movies or television well I think well I can start with podcasts there's just not that many of us you know um, the podcast world tends to be a lot of sci-fi a lot of fantasy mm -hmm. and that's because it's so good for it because like I said, that type of stuff that, you know, some of these podcasts that I listen to, I'm just like in awe of everyone because you couldn't do that on the film. And like you said, you have to take all these like crappy notes and stuff and they get to go there. Um, so there's not many um, people who do romantic comedy. In fact, I think I'm one of like a, just a couple that's running right now. 
So there was that. Yeah, I can count like maybe <laughs> half a yeah, dozen. Yeah, there's not many. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, that, I, that I'm that yeah. i aware of. If you're aware of them, please send me all of your romantic yes, comedy recommendations. Send me We're at Radio Drama on Twitter. Yes, let me know. Shanae is at Hey Shanae on yes, Twitter. Yes, please let me know because I love them. Um, so there was just not that many, which is probably why I kind of like um, wasn't really looking to join because I was like, okay, I can't really fit. And then um, just as a whole, I'm really, really passionate and I was literally just I was just talking about this on Twitter today about um, sort of depiction of black womanhood um, and the other marginalized communities yeah. as something that's not a source of like, you know, like I think our, I always say that our brand is pain, which is like kind of dark, but it's true. Like I think that there's so much that happens when you have black people oftentimes have to get their power from their oppression. Like in order to get attention, you have to talk about how you're oppressed and da, da, da. It's like really like, I always find it like very frustrating stuff. Obviously like I'm a human woman person and I go through the same stuff or like, yeah, so like we deal with like fuck boys and like all this other stuff, like anyone else. And so I'm, and I'm a huge romantic comedy fan and I just didn't feel like I saw characters that I could relate to and I didn't see characters that mm -hmm. like I even thought were like hot you know, you know what I mean I feel like the last like um <laughs> hot, like hot pairing was like I think I don't know like I just like I just found like a lot of the romantic comedies are just kind of like sterile and I think a lot of times it's because the same type of people create all the romantic comedies and gosh I love you've got mail as much as the next person but it sometimes feels like we haven't really evolved from that and you know you have sort of mm -hmm. like you know it feels like it's like very like you have Tyler Perry on this side and he does his thing and I'm very appreciative of him and then you have like Nora Ephraim and all them on the other side and there's like not really like an in-between uh, point of view as far as romantic comedy is concerned and so that's kind of how I like to fit in or that's how I feel fan wars fit into that and like I grew up with the like late 2000s like 10 things I hate about you and all those movies are like my favorite but I never like you know Gabrielle Union was in that movie and she's like the side friend which is like crazy to me now when you think about it <laughs> but like you know what I mean right like where's where's the Gabrielle yeah. Union helm yeah, exactly. romantic comedy and she, I think she had one with um uh, L.O. Cool J, a little while back, but it wasn't that good. So, and and then and it's oh. interesting because in that movie she plays, I think it's called Deliver Us from, oh my God, somebody's going to call me out, but she plays somebody who's just like really angry and like she's like has this stuff. So I wanted to create a character, um, I'm obsessed with Jackie, I love that character, who's just sort of like a little bit different than what I had seen before out in the world. So, yeah. Sure. So Kristen Bennett, who plays Jackie, yes. also played Joe in your yes. web series from a few years yeah. ago, Did You Meet Any Boys? Yes. Now, Joe is a business consultant yeah. <laughs> who is just persistently stymied in her attempts to meet decent men. She also has an adorable dog. Both Joe and Jackie from Fan Wars feel to me, this might be a bit of a stretch, like they're drawn from your experiences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but my question, and I want to get to that. Mm -hmm. But what parts of you live in Stephen? Oh, oh my God, that's such a great question. Um, I think the stubborn parts of me, I think, um, okay. I think what parts of me live in Stephen? I think Stephen is sort of like, first of all, he's a version of kind of what I had to deal with all through 2000. What, what year was that? It seems like what, uh, 2018 after The Last Jedi came out. I have no yeah. idea. Like time is, time is time just is, a smoking time, ruin for time me. Time is like whatever. Um, so he's like that, right? So he was kind of like this 
the best case scenario of these conversations that I was having with these men. And I don't, I don't know if I should tell the story or not. I'm going to tell the story. He's not going to hear it. Um, so <laughs> I was talking. So this one of the one, Stephen was inspired by this conversation I was having with this guy. And I was like, oh, this guy is like cute. He's nice. He's like, whatever. He hasn't said anything offensive. And then as soon as we got to Last Jedi and we started talking about it, it all went downhill like everything in me just like (laughs) like clenched up and it just like revealed so much about him and I think that that movie is this weird it doesn't it's not always um because Eugene doesn't like Last Jedi and we still like Eugene (laughs) but a lot of times um the feelings about that movie and the arguments specifically around that movie say a lot about who somebody is in like a weird way that I had never seen before, right? Like I had never ever seen anything like that before where it just turns into this thing because it kind of touches on these like, I mean, listen, we could do a whole episode on this, but like there's these like the the (laughs) way that men feel about themselves and they think about themselves really got telegraphed through Luke Skywalker and the story and all this stuff and like women. And I was just like, I'd never seen that before and so that's really what it was inspired by was like a version of this and I was like okay what what would have happened in that conversation if I didn't mention Star Wars you know what I mean like it's really it's really quite something so that's kind of how that came from I feel like Fan Wars is about Star Wars fandom right at least superficially but it's it's also pulling at all of these other tensions around media and the way that men see themselves and what a true what a true quote-unquote true fan looks like how they behave this default assumption of like white maleness inherent in mainstream American culture um do do you still talk to that guy that inspired no Was this like so 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 back back up here? Was this like someone you used to talk to on a forum, or was this like an OK Cupid guy, and you were having a nice conversation, and then Star Wars? Came so up I met him. And it poisoned I met him everything. at a party. Um, it was okay. actually like kind of a <laughs> it was kind of a setup. So I met him at a party, and I was like talking to him. I was like, oh, this is like going really well. Um, and he, oh no, was he like the only black guy at the party? And like Trent, like was he sort of shoved <laughs> into your, your field of view? No, he actually wasn't black. That was which, which is interesting. That has happened tons of times. Th- this is a thing. This is a thing that happens in the web series. Yeah, oh, I wasn't just being oh, obnoxious. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say yeah, that happens in the web series, um, and that's happened a lot, um, but not in this situation. In this situation, the guy was actually I don't even, I don't actually know what race he was. He was like um, probably a mixture of some stuff, and, but he was pushed in my direction because he was a minority. So you were right about that. <laughs> and. Um, 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 and, uh, yeah, we were talking, we, and oh my gosh, we had talked for like two hours. (laughs) Like it was like crazy. We had talked for two hours and then, um, I have a wallet that has, um, I I think I took out my wallet for some reason. I don't remember what, I think somebody had asked me for like a business card or something. I took out my wallet and it has a, uh, it has like a a stormtrooper on it. And he was like, oh yeah. And da, 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 and uh, he and then he just like went off on. I was like, oh yeah, the movie. And he just like went off about like how horrible it was and how it was like this and like how Ryan Johnson is like the worst thing that ever. It's the worst movie. It's like worse than the prequels, worse than whatever. And <laughs> like it was just like this whole thing. Um, and then I like fought with him for like a really long time. And then I was like, I never want to talk to this person again the end so that's kind of what partially inspired this whole thing and i had multiple 
instances of that where I would go to a party, I'd go to an event or I'd go to something because, you know, like I am a Star Wars fan and I'm a writer and I like in business stuff. So you kind of meet this type of guy a lot. And so I would just like brace myself and it had gotten to the point where, and I think we talked about this, uh, we were talking about something else separately where I just like wouldn't mention Star Wars. And in fact, my Star Wars fandom had become something that like I just didn't want to discuss. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about any other movies because it was just like so much, it was just like so traumatizing having to fight with people over this movie. <laughs> so it was just like. I, I remember when you were first assembling this show uh -huh. and working out how to make the core romance work. And I was really skeptical. I, know, I told you. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't think you could make Steven's character likable because I had all of these associations with internet trolls that held his positions, right, right? right? And I was like, how can you make that person anything but a misogynist? That was maybe wrong of me, but you made you because you made it work, yeah. right? Like for me, I find Steven sufficiently likable to root for him and Jackie to get together. Yeah. So tell me about the the work that went into that character and understanding that character. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think I had your conversation was one of the core conversations or the, the what we talked about because we talked about it a lot actually that day. Um, was in my mind when I was writing it. I think the biggest thing that I did with Steven in order to combat that is that he is kind of like, he believes these things, but he's not like, um, he doesn't, he's not attaching everything to them. Like, I think that the Star Wars stuff, he believes that stuff, but he's, he's, he like listens to, like, it doesn't, I know this sounds weird because it doesn't seem like they listen to each other, but one of the things that, is really interesting about the two of them is that they listen to each other and he respects Jackie like instantly. And then that's why it opens up in that first episode where he's like listening to her about the dog, even though he kind of doesn't want to is because he like respects her. So I think that's kind of what I tried to kind of bring through the whole series is that, you know, that level and that I think otherwise a character doesn't work or because it, then it feels kind of like he's mansplaining her what he does, but like it's from a different perspective and a different angle. So, okay. So that's Steven. And then tell me about what parts of you live in, Jackie. I mean, most of her. Right. Because Jackie's, Jackie's, not, Jackie's not just like a Shanae self-insertion, no. right? Like, no. Mm -mm. No, I think that um, Jackie, Jackie's a little bit more, she's a little pricklier than I am, right? Because <laughs> if, you, if you've talked mm -hmm. to me, I'm a lot more kind of like sunshiny than, uh, despite myself, than um, Jackie is. I think Jackie is a lot kind of like, not rougher, but she's a little kind of like, I don't know what the word is. Un unleashed? Yeah, exactly. She's a lot more unleashed than I, just like she has like a more of an edge to her than I do. Um, I think like she has a passion for Star Wars, but I think Jackie loves Star Wars even more than I do. And she like identifies it with it strongly. And I think what Kristen brought to this character is like I said, like, yeah, like she kind of has an edge that I don't have. For me, Jackie does have a lot of my points of view about Star Wars and sort of takes that I would make if I was on Twitter or whatever. But the way that she deals with Steven and kind of the insecurities that come up with her, especially what we'll see kind of going into the finale and then um, next season are things that aren't as close to me, but there are pieces of it that I definitely drew from my own experience. So. How did you meet your cast? How did you how did you first encounter these folks? Okay, so um, uh, so I, Kristen Bennett, like I said, we've been working together for years. She's my Michael B. Jordan <laughs> to my Ryan Coogler. <laughs> uh, so we met each other. I did a um, 
God, because we did that series in 2014. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, 2000, I think I cast it in 2014 or 2015. And I just did a casting call when I was in Austin. I just put it on, like, I think it was, like, Backstage Pass or something, like, one of those, like, acting sites. And then we went to the YMCA, and we asked the YMCA if we could do the casting thing there, and we did. And I saw a couple of actors, um, and she – uh, as soon as she started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, she's she's it. Um, and so that's kind of how we met. And then Eugene, I met through some people that I was working with on the project. And uh, Eugene, he um, I've, I had somebody who told me like, oh, I have an actor because I was really I uh, really want it to be. It's inspired also by that statistic. I don't know if you've heard it, that it says that like black women and Asian men are the least messaged on OkCupid. I don't think you've, I don't know if uh-huh. you heard about that. So that's kind of what. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did. <laughs> it was like all of us have. So it was like based on that, and so I wanted to do that. So I really wanted an Asian lead, and so I sent him the first part of the first script I wrote, and he recorded it and he sent it to me, and I just was like knocked out. I was like, oh my god, um, he's so good. And so that's kind of how I met Eugene, who plays Stephen. There's also absolutely no way that that character would work if he were white. A hundred percent. hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. Like, Jackie and Steven need to retreat to their corners and lash out at one another, like, about their respective ethnic stereotypes, and it would just be too, like, awful if it was... If it was like a white man saying that about Jackie, yeah, like I would, I that would not have been enjoyable for me. Yeah, and that see that part is so funny. I love it because it is because like that part of the I think it's like episode one where they're just kind of like going at each other in stereotypes, and I'm just like, oh, the, mm-hmm. the joys of writing with minority leads, right? Because I can, and they like obviously, um, and it also gives Jackie a chance to be to kind of like meet her biases as well. I thought that was a really important yeah. thing too, to not have it be like... Well, that's, that's what makes Steven likable yeah. is because you get to see Jackie being kind of shitty at him. Yeah, they're shitty to each other. That's the thing. It's like, and, yeah. if, and if he's white, um, first of all, Jackie would feel <laughs> maybe a little bit more justified <laughs> to like be like right. that. Um, but since they're both kind of marginalized identities, it works really well. And I think that also, and like, if you listen to it, that discovery that she has that he's not white, it just kind of like changes the game. And you think that that would make them less like hard on each other, but then it just makes them even more hard on each other. They're just like, oh, <laughs> it's on now. You know what I mean? I thought that was like a, it's like an inch. And they play that really well where it's like, oh, you're not this. And I think ordinarily you'd be like, oh, well, let's pull back because unity. And they're just like, no, fuck you. <laughs> if that's who you are, you should know better. <laughs> so that's kind of like a cool moment, I think, in episode one. Tell me what it is that you love about Star Wars. Oh, well, oh my goodness. Uh, I am a Star Wars baby. So my dad is a huge fan of Star Wars. And so I kind of inherited it. uh, And I just love, I don't know. I just remember um, just growing up watching the tapes. My mom is also like a huge sci-fi nerd. So I watch, I grew up watching Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, but the Star Wars movies always got me because of the scope and just like the storytelling. And it's like, just so classic, uh, storytelling wheel storytelling. You know what I mean? That's what we learn in the writing class, that journey of Luke Skywalker. Um, and I just, I don't know. I've always loved it. And one of my favorite stories to tell people is, um, actually a prequel story, Um, I guess the prequels, the last prequel came out in 2005, so I was like, I don't know, 
15 I don't know I was pretty young and we used to kind of like me my <laughs> my sister and my dad we used to like replay that scene spoilers I mean 15 year spoilers uh when um Anakin Skywalker is like in the like ground and the um the the I forgot where that was the the name of it and the lava and he's like I hate you I hate you and like <laughs> and like and, and I'd be like we we're supposed to do it the dark side and then we would like play out the whole scene and there was one time we would play out the whole thing and we were at the beach and everybody started clapping because we forgot that we were like in public and it's just like moments like that where you just like you know play out all the scenes and me and my sister we used to like play lightsabers together and uh, we would just like get in the car and like pretend I was like you know all this stuff I just loved it and I was um obsessed with Samuel Jackson when I was younger too so that made me like it even more because of the prequels <laughs> so so these are the things that make you happy about about Star Wars yeah. but I want to dig into the toxicity for a little bit because I feel like yeah. that's a lot of what animates like the engine behind this yes. podcast, right? Yes. Like the racism and the cruelty that drove Kelly Marie Tran off of Twitter, the yeah. fan schism over what Luke and Leia did in The Last Jedi. And I, I'm less interested in the the plot particulars from the films. Those have been discussed to death by people much more knowledgeable than me. Right. Um, but I, I want to talk about the cultural subtext that all of this exposes, right? You were talking about this this gulf that opened up in, in the fandom that that you witnessed after The Last Jedi came out. I want to I hear about that. Okay, I think all um, fandoms kind of end up belonging to certain groups of people. And more often than not, the people who feel like they that it belongs to are like white males. And so then sort of like the white male experience get, gets kind of like um, put on this property, even though it's meant to be more universal. And so I think a lot of times what happens is they sort of see, they are like, you know, the men who really identify with these stories and feel like it's a part of them in a way, they have these kind of preconceived motions about how they feel like things should go and how people um, should act within this world and everything like that. And so when that gets questioned or when that gets messed with, then there's a problem. You know, I think there is sort of like this idea, this sort of like keep your toys in their boxes kind of mentality around Star Wars when that if you depending on how how old you were when you saw it is sort of like how you see the world of Star Wars. And you don't really want that messed with because it kind of encroaches in this story that you have for yourself in this world. And I think that's ultimately the problem is that like, people really want to kind of hold this special nostalgic idea around what Star Wars is and they're not letting room for evolution or change because like I said that fandom doesn't it doesn't necessarily belong to anybody but for all these years it's felt that way and so when you introduce new characters or elements and stuff like that it kind of it ends up stirring up the pot in a way that feels really personal to a lot of people, you know, or, and it's like stupid because it's like the real Star Wars fans. And I'm like, it's not really the real Star Wars fans versus the non-real Star Wars fans. It's the Star Wars fans who want this universe to grow and change and include more people versus the Star Wars fans who want it to stay exactly where it is when it was like all white characters. It was a male lead who was this righteous character. And I think that the characterization of Luke Skywalker is really interesting because he's sort of been like rebranded. He's always 
always been kind of like this emo, like fragile kind of <laughs> kind of like guy. And he's been like rebranded as like this like badass, like would never do anything wrong type of character, which he never ever was but because people i don't i don't understand that i feel like luke is at his strongest when he rejects violence exactly it's like Like that's when he becomes the most and again i don't want to make this like you know the david and shanae star wars (laughs) agreement (laughs) podcast but yeah that that interpretation of that character is so strange yeah and so because that's where it wrapped up i mean that's where it ends begins and ends i think if that character i just don't like i said we don't want to make this a, a debate thing for you know whatever but like the character, I just felt like that was the best and most natural progression of that character based off of, like, what we saw of him. I just remember he, like, <laughs> meets Darth Vader once, shows up in the next <laughs> movie in all black. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, like, kind of like this guy who's not what I think people view themselves as. And so that's what kind of frustrated them, I think, you know? I'm not sure. That's yeah. I, I mean... Uh, I, this is this is my 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 thought on on Star Wars is that it, it's this sort of like a reckoning with Vietnam that posits the Empire is. I mean, this has been said a million times by people that are more articulate than me, but that like Luke as a hero, he's he's closest to the dark side when he is about to strike down his own father in anger like he's accessing the dark side to give himself power right and that only by by rejecting that is he able to transcend it and and truly embrace the light side of the force for all of its dumb contradictions in which like responsible force users like usage means you can't be in love with anybody right (laughs) um Like, the, the whole idea of the Jedi Knights as these, like, sexless, intergalactic super cops, I find problematic, but that's the discussion for another show. Um, but... And they're ultimately not I don't know. successful. Like, I th- like, they're not successful. Right, right. Like, that model, that model yeah. of galactic policing didn't work out. Right, yeah, um, and that's just the truth. And, well, and so, like, I, I kind of think of Luke as being most successful as, like, a pacifist trickster hero. I agree. And I think it really combined nicely what happens with politics where people are kind of reckoning with who they really are and reckoning with who you are um, makes people angry. <laughs> like it makes you angry to realize that you have a view of yourself um, and everybody is seeing you as something completely different. I mean, that's what it always is. I mean, even like I said, Game of Thrones stuff right now, it's like, but it's not like that. Like, don't get so offended. And I'm always like, so like, why do you care if we're offended or not? And it's about control, right? It's about this idea that I am this and everybody needs to see me as this. And the situation is how I see it. Because if it's not, what does that mean about me? And I think that's really the big hole in the Star Wars fandom is that like, if things change or if things are different than I think they are, or we have to reckon with who we are, then what does that make me? That doesn't, that means that I was somebody and that this whole situation was somebody that I didn't think of, or I'm being seen for who I really am. And again, I don't want that either. So I think that's really what it is. Well, and I I kind of think that one of the ways out of this toxicity is essentially by doing what you are already doing, right? It is by creating more own voices content that allows... I just had a thread about this because I was listening to... I was catching up with Love and Luck and, and sobbing 
um, <laughs> the other day, uh, because of like the the incredible mirror that it provides into queer Australian life and what it's like to be, you know, a, a migrant in Australia and have all sorts of terrible things heaped upon you. What it's like to experience homelessness as a trans woman in Australia, you know, and that allows me to extrapolate from these fictional characters' experiences to the experiences of people that I know in my life, and from from those two things together to things that are abstracted like newspaper headlines and then I can put a human face on it and in so doing reach a better understanding of the world. Right. Yeah, it's really, and that's why I create, you know. I recently, I was like, okay, like I just, like I was just gonna do this podcast and I was like, you know, I just wanna keep creating what I wanna see in the world because I just got tired of complaining <laughs> about stuff that I was like frustrated about. And the love and luck is a great example of this, and that's also what why this medium is really awesome because you get to explore this stuff and like really try it and like um, you know like maybe I'll try to create like a, a space romantic comedy. I mean, how dope would that be? You know what I mean? And I get to do that, and then I get to sort of point to that representation. That's like, hey, listen, it can be done. I'm doing it, and it's the same thing with um, fan wars. You know. I think there is this something about like if characters have to be this way or they have to be this way or it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, this is what I feel like is missing. And so I've created it. And that also really saved me when I was kind of a writer who was like, I'm never going to create anything <laughs> that anybody's going to see or love or like or care about because I'm stuck in this system where I don't have any power. But now you do have the power. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> So, okay, uh, total gutter jump here. Tell me about this interpersonal currency that Jackie proposes in episode three. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the tickets model. The tickets, is this yeah. unique to this show or is this like an extant Shanae thing? No, it's unique to the show. Uh, it's just an idea um, that I had as far as like, I don't know, it just felt like a very Jackie entrepreneurial thing to do. Um because they're always like manipulating each other in different ways. And she's like, okay, I need this. What do I, and this is another thing that I think is really interesting about these two characters is, and that, that kind of, that revealed myself, re revealed itself as I was writing it, is that like they know each other really well, even though they don't know anything about each other. And so she knew because she understands Steven, because she's been talking to him for months from the forum, what was going to get him to kind of lean in and listen. And that was something that she picked. In September 2016, uh, you wrote a post about the internet making you feel like garbage. And you asked yourself, what would I do if I knew nobody would care? And you wrote up your soul list. Yeah. A short list of things a person wants when nobody else is paying attention. Oh, my God. Look at you. Um, research. Deep Sinead research. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have a research team, Sinead. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you, do, you remember, do you remember the list? Do you want me to, do you want me to read out the yeah, list? Yeah, read out the of... list to me, please. please okay. Please, 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 please. So, uh, number one, telling stories about the black and fat experience through yes. writing. Yes. Number two, making sure your physical and spiritual body was healthy. Mm -hmm. Number three, not letting your business run the show and prevent you from doing the other things on your soul list. Number four, creating a living space that you love to be in. And number five, building your social network in Los Angeles so you feel supported and at home. Ah! And so my question is, to to what extent has that list changed or stayed the same in the last three years since you wrote that, oh, it's the that same. essay? 
it's the same. <laughs> I think it's all the same. I think um, those are things that are all super important to me and they're things that I'm working on all the time. It's so funny because I like had built my network in Los Angeles and then I moved to the beach. So I have to redo that. But <laughs> um, yeah, all that stuff is still the same. I still, like I said, this podcast was a step in that direction. So oh, that's, that makes me happy to hear that. Um, I go to Orange Theory <laughs> every day and I exercise and I try to <laughs> eat well. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think those are, that's always the same. I think the business stuff, uh, is still tricky for me because it takes up a lot and, you know, especially with the podcast and I'm trying to like think of ways to kind of reconfigure my life to where I can devote as much time to my stories as I do to my business. And it's very, (laughs) it's hard and I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, I think it's like pretty much the same. The soul list. Wow. Taking it back. (laughs) So we already we already talked about this one earlier because you you wrote on on Twitter this morning that you wanted to make sure you were creating media that wasn't just about women or women of color undergoing oppression. Which yeah. to me, like this is this is what we were talking about like twenty minutes ago. It's similar to how I, as a Jew, am sick to death of Holocaust movies. Like I enough, bet. get it? It was awful. I bet. Right. But Jews right, have done right. other things in history besides suffer in this particular way. Yes. Tell me, tell me about portraying joy. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so I, I just love, I have this, I have this concept called the black joy economy where it's just about black people being able to sort of like really just celebrate what's awesome about being black versus like what makes it life harder about being black. And so with Jackie, her being able to freely and openly love Star Wars in the way she does and have the freedom to talk and do all that stuff the way she does and kind of being able to discuss Star Wars and not have it be about her identity in uh, in that way, I think is like the most radical thing we can do with a black character is to have a black female character talk to somebody else and have their conversation have nothing to do with the the conflict has nothing to do with any type of oppression you know steven and jackie don't get along because they are she's fighting for her rights or she's fighting to be heard they just don't get along because they don't get along and that sounds stupid but it's so rare (laughs) for black characters um and black women in media to do that um and when you see it all the time you know you see a show like girls and uh you know, white women are able to kind of like be able to make mistakes and do stuff and like whatever. And that sort of um, opportunity isn't really afforded black women that often. So for me, joy isn't necessarily just about happiness. It's about kind of the freedom to express yourself in a way that is rare uh, for us a lot of times. Um, And even like, I remember, that's also like a way I live my life. Like I try to just be like really happy and like forward focusing and like I wrote a book about positivity and I like because I just really believe um one of the like saddest things I feel like I've seen I feel like in the 90s there was just a lot more black joy like we had all these shows and all this stuff like uh Living Single which is like my favorite show and Girlfriends like there was like more to see and I feel like now our identity has just wrapped been wrapped up in oppression and how Uh, things are so bad for us and so that's kind of why I like to talk about things in that way and there is so much space and obviously I do my my share of advocacy work um, but for me I'm gonna let everybody else like 
there's so many ways in, in which we help. And for me, I feel like this is my way of making people help is making people laugh and kind of creating these depictions of these two characters that we haven't seen before. That was a long answer. I hope that made, <laughs> that made sense. So it was a good, it was a good answer. <laughs> so that's kind of what for me it's about. And I'm just like, so uh, like, it's like, I, I want to cry. Cause it's just, it's like something I'm so um, passionate about. And like, anytime I like want to quit and like, I'm sure, I don't know if podcast people like come in here and be like, actually I've been wanting to quit. Like, you know what I mean? Just like when you feel like nobody's paying attention or you feel like whatever, I'm just mm-hmm. like, but this is what I have to do because this is what I want to see. And, um, I guess it's like, I think about my little cousins and they don't have any of that. Like, um, or like the people, like the kids I know, they just are like, yeah, black lives matter. And da 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 da. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, but like, there's so much more to you. There's so much more to your experience than what is happening. Um, so that's kind of why I'm so hardcore about it. So, yeah. Yeah, when when I talked to to Morgan Givens, who makes Flyest Fables, he was he was telling me like I want to make fairy tales for my little nephew, so that he, you know, that he, we can have fantasy stories for and about black people. Yeah, yeah, and Morgan, what he's what he's doing is just exactly it right it's just amazing and, mm-hmm. and and it's and it's cool because you can have like a morgan givens and then you can have me and then other people who create stories that are just black people just doing the same things white people do all the time just like for a different right. audience so i think that's really what it's about shanae thank you so much for joining me on radio drama revival this was an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it was fun super fun tell me about the fandom that's important to you why is it important Do you feel that it's been challenged by something lately, and is that challenge constructive or destructive? Let us know. I want to hear from you. Send me an email at david at radiodramarevival.com, or we can talk about it in the Discord if you're a Patreon backer. You can support Shanae Howard's work on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash allcapsexcited by following her on Twitter at HeyShanae. That's S-H-E-N-E-E. You can support our work on Patreon at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival, and you can follow us on Twitter at Radiodrama. Visit our website at radiodramarevival.com, where you can read our bios, investigate our archive, and buy merch at our marvelous store. That's radiodramarevival.com slash shop. Our deadline for applying to work with us as our social media editor is coming up on July the 15th of this year. If you'd like to help Radio Drama Revival build its first social media calendar, we would love to have you. So send us an email at submissions at radiodramarevival.com with your resume, a link to your favorite social media account that you run, some of your favorite tweets, and a paragraph or two about why you think you'd be a good fit for the role. The position is paid. I'm also happy to answer questions at that same email address. Radio Drama Revival gives priority to marginalized and underrepresented voices, especially those in radio and podcasting. So if you're looking for a place to spread your wings, think of us. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, your moment of Will. Will, please tell us about the history of fandom. Thanks, David. I shall. So, the history of the word fandom is shockingly old and really interesting. The word fandom comes from the word fan, which comes from the word fanatic. Fanatic first made its way into English in 1533. It was an adjective that meant frenzied or mad, unfortunately. But then in 1644, it was used as a noun, meaning a fanatic. And then 
as words are wont to do, it got shortened in 1682 and went from fanatic to fan. It wasn't until about the 19th century, though, that it started being used in relation to enthusiasts of a specific hobby. Initially, sports. And then the word fandom itself, something that we associate with Star Trek and Star Wars, like Shanae Howard, and modern media was first used in 1903. Or at least this was the first recorded usage of the word fandom. It was specifically a headline that read, Fandom Puzzled Over Johnsonian Statements. It was in the Cincinnati Inquirer and had something to do with Samuel Johnson, an English writer and lexicographer. Then, in 1928, Publishers Weekly mentioned the baseball fandom. That's right, 1928. So, think that fandom is some modern marvel that has to do with the internet? Think again. And hey, listener, that fandom that you're a part of, be proud of it. It's great. Thank you, Will. And now it's time for the credits. Our theme music is Danger Diggy Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams. Our senior interviews producer is Eli McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Our submissions editors are Elena Fernandez-Collins and Rashika Rao. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouge. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. <laughs> <laughs>